0: Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcasts. In this episode, we will be exploring the subject of learning, neurosciences, and artificial intelligence, and how this landscape is rapidly changing. I am delighted to welcome Alexia Odevart, founder of DayTactic, Google developer expert in machine learning. Also ranked by Usine Nouvelle as one of the top 100 French people in AI and co author of two books Learning Tomorrow, When AI and Neurosciences Go Hand in Hand, and Machine Learning Using TensorFlow Cookbook. Alexia, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for your invitation. Pleasure. Alexia, you are a data enthusiast and you spend a lot of your time training and informing people and also providing consulting and expertise in data analytics, looking to identify problems and solutions and to create value through technology. So bridging this gap between technological and human value is where we share our passion and also on diversity in technology. I know that you are active in getting more diversity into the technology sector, a quest we also share. <laughs> to prepare for what we and machines will learn tomorrow. But I would like to focus today's discussion on your book, Apprendre Demain, that focuses on learning in tomorrow's world, or rather today's world, and what artificial intelligence can bring when it works together hand-in-hand with neuroscience. For me, this is a critical topic as we move into a world where data and technology more and more present and connect us in a way we didn't think possible and probably will connect us in ways we haven't yet thought of. So my first question is, what inspired you and your co-author Magali Alonso to write the book Apprendre Demain? Sorry, it's a long story. After, <laughs> after more than
1: 10 years of um, software engineering, I, I had the amazing opportunity to, to discover the data world. Mm. I started a long self-learning process to understand what big data, machine learning, deep learning, Mm. data visualization, and so on. After several years of helping clients to solve business problems as an employee, I founded my own company. So Mm. I've been a freelance data scientist since 2017. Okay. Since I was young, I have like to share my knowledge and it's therefore natural that I became a data trainer for Mm -hmm. technical people and non-technical people like managers, heads of companies, etc. And uh, during a a dinner at a a friend's house, I met Magali who has a master's degree in neuroscience Mm -hmm. and uh, she's now involved in AI engineering I chatted with her for a long time. So sorry for the non-geek people who were forced to hear (laughs) our own (laughs) own discussion. And and she introduced me to neuroscience. And I got a better understanding of how deep learning works. It's
0: fascinating, huh? Neuroscience.
1: Yes, absolutely. And as I was interviewed in a book published by uh, Duno. Mm -hmm. We contacted this publisher and told them about our book idea. And um, our main goal was to explain our human learns, our machine learns, and why the neuron is at the heart of all concerns in Mm. AI and neuroscience.
0: Mm. I, I love that idea of bringing them both together and of actually talking about that because people are often scared of artificial intelligence I think because they don't know what it can do and I like the idea of being curious and bringing artificial intelligence together with our human intelligence which is held in neuroscience. So before we move to neuroscience can you tell us what artificial intelligence is exactly? I always feel we need to demystify these terms. (laughs) You will (laughs) try. Thank you.
1: (laughs) In 1956, mm. a small group of scientists uh, gathered for the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on mm. AI. And uh, it was the birth of this field of research. They dreamed of a new world, a world where we could recreate all human cognitive functions mm. in a machine. Behind AI, I had the will to create tools and high-performance systems. But above all, to unravel the mysteries of intelligence. Mm. In uh, Latin, intelligere uh, means uh, ability to make connections. So with AI, we would like a machine to become
0: smart. Okay. And connected. And connected. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I would also have the same question on machine learning, because the fact is that machines will be able to learn like humans, and therefore we're bringing technology and neurocognition together. And you talk in the book about generalization and its important place in human learning. How do we teach machines to learn? Do we just copy and paste the human process? (laughs) No. (laughs) In a word, no.
1: (laughs) No, no. One of the ways for a machine to learn is based on statistical AI. Mm -hmm. based on uh, data. I think that the term machine learning is probably familiar to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Before explaining machine learning, I would like to do a little focus in traditional programming. Mm -hmm. In traditional programming, we give the computer data and rules, Mm -hmm. and the program is able to compute a result that is always accurate if it follows the rules. Mm-hmm. It's a determinist approach. Okay. In, in machine learning, it's different. Mm-hmm. You give the machine sample data, and for each sample data, the expected result. The machine generates rules. It's okay. what we commonly say common name uh, model. Okay. The, ma- the machine learns how to do a specific task by performing statistical calculations. By making links between all this information. Mm-hmm. It's the learning phase in the, um, so that it's a learning phase. And before, after the learning phase, there is a predict, prediction mm-hmm. phase. Mm-hmm. In the prediction phase, we will provide to the previously created model new data and the model will generate a result. This approach is totally probabilistic. Okay. <laughs> So if you don't give the model enough representative examples, the machine will not be able to predict well, to predict all cases well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we talk about narrow artificial intelligence because currently AI performs only simple tasks that are specialized and very repetitive. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, AI is capable of performing tasks better than humans. So currently we are in the narrow AI Mm -hmm. and um, because for the moment the machine doesn't yet know how to generalize their learning. Okay. So for me, all the stakes of tomorrow's AI will be to, to generate new new knowledge, to Mm -hmm. go from a narrow AI to a general AI.
0: Okay. And because we now know more and more and more about neuroscience and neurocognition, which for me is becoming more important as technology evolves, and as human beings, we need to remain relevant in today's world. So if AI is learning quickly, which it is, and it's also learning how to generalize, How did these two models, so artificial intelligence and neuroscience, work together? How do they complement each other?
1: Yeah. So we we talked previously about machine learning, Mm. but a specific field, a specific field of uh, machine learning is named deep learning. Yes. Deep learning has led to major advances in voice recognition or computer vision. Mm-hmm. in the last few years. So what is deep learning? Deep learning uh, uses artificial neural networks. These networks contain neurons, neurons a bit like in our brains. Okay. An artificial neuron is a mathematical unit of simple calculation. And the particularity is that all the results of the calculation of one layer will be used as input for the calculation of the other layers. Each layer allows it to deepen its understanding of the problem little Mm. by little. So all these artificial neural networks are not copied from our biological neural networks, Mm. but they are inspired by them. So we we say that they are bio-inspired. Neuroscientists collect a large amount of data. They analyze all this data by using tools such as mathematics, computer science, or AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, they are able to, to better understand how the brain works. So in summary, AI needs to continue to improve to be Inspired by discoveries made in neuroscience, and AI will thus be able to create even smarter systems based on even more efficient neural networks. Okay, and so they feed each ver- other. Yeah, and vice versa, neuroscience needs AI to continue to help it test and to formalize
0: new theories. Mm-hmm. But they don't have—you can't copy a level of consciousness. So can you? Artificial no. intelligence and machine learning don't have a level of consciousness as human intelligence does.
1: Yeah. Currently the machines are very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they just know to to do things which are very repetitive and not specialized. So there are not a real intelligence behind them.
0: Hmm. But it brings me to the question of ethics. And of course, you dedicate quite a lot of time to that in your book surrounding artificial intelligence and data technology in general. But how is artificial intelligence regulated? And do you think we will have universal rules of ethics for AI? I mean, you you talk about this in your book when you talk about the moral machine game Mm. that was developed um, in 2016 by MIT. But do you think we will move to a framework such as ethics by design that can guide us all? Because that is quite a complex question, isn't it? If you, When you talk about artificial intelligence and human intelligence and how it's being used um, to understand the brain.
1: Yeah. Ethics, is, it's a very difficult topic, mm.
0: but in,
1: for humans and for AI. Mm.
2: Um,
1: Ethics, as it relates to man, is a field that has been studied since time immemorial. Aristotle aimed at the best consequences for man. Mm. Jean-Jacques Rousseau at rules based on the social contract. And uh, Emmanuel Kant at rules based on reason. Mm. However, whatever the approach, it was clear that the formulation of rules governing a universal good was impractical. Mm. Um, thinking about this and setting up rules, treaties, and then laws and organizations to govern human interactions mm. is part of our daily lives. Mm. So much so that we no longer pay attention to it. Our parents' education, the penal code and the UN Human Rights Council, to name but a few, are all institutions that constitute Landmarks for us, yeah. But what about machines? How to apply these codes to them? Should mm-hmm. we create one that is specific to them? Insofar as man is supposed to be the guarantor of what he creates,
2: mm-hmm. through
1: the new legislative framework, be established? it's very difficult to answer to this question. But first, we can be we can uh, begin by uh, robotics. Robotics was the first discipline of AI to push man to question ethical charters. In 1942, the science fiction writer Isaac Asimov defined three laws of robotics. Mm -hmm. The robots in his books had to obey. At that Mm -hmm. time, Asimov certainly didn't think that these laws would largely inspire
0: various Mm -hmm. ethical chapters Mm -hmm. of 21st century robotics. (laughs) No, but that's really interesting. If you could just walk our listeners through those three laws, I found that really interesting. Uh, the three laws of uh,
1: Isaac Asimov is, 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 no, a tool must not be unsafe to use. Mm-hmm. The second law is a tool must perform its function efficiently unless the wood harm the user.
0: Okay.
1: And the third is a tool must remain intact during its use unless its destruction is requ- required for its use or for safety. so
0: it's very interesting. Mm. So he was basically stating a case for ethical use of robots in his films.: Yeah, exactly. So okay. if we
1: talk now about AI for machine learning, mm-hmm. for several years. Following the emergence of AI, many organizations and personalities have been wondering about the future of humanity and worrying about the mm-hmm. issues that the emergence yes. of such programs could lead to. Some even fear that such intelligence could destroy, them, could mm-hmm. destroy the mm-hmm. human race. And so public or private initiatives on the ethical framework, framework of digital applications are multiplying. Mm -hmm. You can look at the Future of Life Institute, Partnership on AI, AI, OpenAI, the Asilona AI Principle, or more recently, the AI strategy developed by the European approach. Mm -hmm. As you said in, in introduction, in 2016, MIT researchers developed a moral game, a moral game named Moral Machine. So feel free to go to their website and compare your results with the other participants. It's it's very interesting.
0: I loved that Uh, part of the book and I did go and look at their game. It's great. Yeah. So the the result of this study, the first result, the first analysis, is
1: quite interesting and shows the difficulty, the difficulties of defining an international ethical framework. Mm. Uh, Indeed, depending on Cultural and economic factors, the results, uh, differ between countries. So if we don't want to create systems mm. which become weapons of mass destruction, as mentioned by, uh, by Katie O'Neill, yeah. we need to be sure that the people developing these systems should ask themselves questions from the design phase of this algorithm, mm. algorithms. Mm. And it's what we call the
0: ethics by design. Okay. And do you think that we will be working more towards a communal ethics by design framework as intelligence, artificial intelligence develops, or will it just become more complex? I think it's difficult because it's
1: it's, it's very difficult to take these rules and apply really mm. the rules because... All problems, all, all systems are different and we don't have the, uh, the same problems with uh, personal data and mm. real data. So mm. uh, I don't have the solution, but I, I think we, the developers of these systems needs to need to focus on, uh, on questions
0: when they create uh, their systems.
1: It's very important.
0: Yeah. So it's something that needs to be present in the design and and the thinking. Okay, And if I come back to the way these two models feed each other, so they're interdependent almost in terms of the networks. So they learn from each other, artificial intelligence and neuroscience, human neuroscience. What changes do you think we should be expecting to see in the world of learning? Because we have already had a lot of changes in the way people learn and the fact that, you know, they do what I call micro-learning, so TED Talks and podcasts, and Mm -hmm. it's a very different style of learning, and it's not necessary in the classroom. How do you see that changing the world of learning? Concerning neuroscience, I
1: think we are already living in the century of the brain. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Switzerland, us in Lausanne Research Centre, the Humane Brain Project, Mm. with a budget of 10 billion euros over 10 years, in which 26 European countries are collaborating. The United States is also developing the Brain Initiative Program. And in France, the French Atomic Energy Commission is home to Neurospin, which has the most powerful functional brain imaging machine in the world. So we have already entered in a neurocentric world as evidenced by the advent of neurodisciplines such as neuroeconomics, neuroergonomics, neuromarketing, even neuroeducation that consists of adapting our teaching methods to the natural activity of our brain function. Mm-hmm. And um, AI is already changing the world that we live in. We okay. already live in the world mm-hmm. of the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. That of the technological revolution. And uh, no revolution has uh, been as rapid as this one. No. no, no. uh, Not only our way of living and working, but also our relationship with others. Mm. Uh, Even before being technological, the transformation of AI is for me, human,
0: cultural, and societal. Yeah it's massive and it brings yeah. it brings with it a lot of reframing that needs to be done constantly so you're constantly what i call unlearning and relearning which is essentially what what they're doing with with ai and the neural networks but which makes it very multidisciplinary so in the book you talk about the fact that it is a science at the heart of other sciences and the visual which i really like is almost an ecosystem around uh, the AI being that heart of the science, like a network. And how do you see this affecting leadership in organizations and the need that we have, all of us, particularly in organizations, for a more systems-thinking approach?
1: Mm. In fact, I... I like to insist on, uh, on the fact that AI is a science at the heart of other sciences.
2: Mm.
1: AI is uh, an entire field of computer science, mm. but uh, math- mathematics and statistics, which serve as a theoretical basis, human sciences and neurobiology, mm. which help to reproduce components of human intelligence by a and finally, the hardware technologies that serve as physical support for the execution of AI software. So AI is really a science at the heart of other sciences. Mm. AI plays a decisive role in the competitiveness of companies today mm. and, uh, and tomorrow. Absolutely. it's It's aimed at companies of all sizes Mm. From startups to very small businesses and small and medium companies, but also to large companies. So AI is revolutioning many sectors of activity such as marketing, purchasing, legal, production, customer relations and so on. Mm. Mm. So from processes to management, all the companies' businesses are impacted. Mm. So this tripping company organization. Mm. So For me, one of the main challenges of AI will be to make companies accept these new tools that help replace or Mm. optimize tasks that were previously performed by humans.
0: Mm. Yeah, and they're going to have to constantly navigate change, aren't they? So this is an emerging environment. So what worked yesterday... (laughs) might not work in two weeks' time. Yes, I'm exaggerating, but it, it is quite a um, short cycle. <laughs> time is running. I would have one last question. What would be, therefore, your final call to action for leaders looking to understand this landscape of artificial intelligence and what it means for how we learn?
1: So it's uh, the self-promotion time. So yeah. <laughs> leaders can buy our book. They speak <laughs> French or watch my TEDx talk. Now, more seriously, I think it's very important for leaders to master the important concepts of AI, such as what exactly AI is, how can the machine learn, what AI can do or not do, what are the AI use cases, how can you carry out an AI project, what are the impacts of our, on our business and processes. So I think leaders can find these answers in books, MOOCs, podcasts, articles mm-hmm. and videos. So long live the internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I will just talk about one thing. Uh, since the beginning of September, I have launched a new training course called okay. the AI game. Ah, excellent. Tell uh, me more. <laughs>
0: game,
1: this game is um, initially was initially developed by a company named AI for better, French company based in okay. Paris, and uh, it's a serious game to engage your business team in just three hours. So it's a playful workshop to discover the fundamentals of AI to think collectively about its use in the company. So with a pedagogy designed to create involvement, we we try to promise, uh, we promise mm-hmm. all the participants to to open their minds. the the amazing possibilities offered by AI. So You can find more information
0: on my website,
1: you can contact me if if you want.
0: Excellent, because that was my next question was where can people contact you and find out more about what you do? So the question you were joking about, I'm now going to ask you, (laughs) where can they come and talk to you and find out more about this game but also about what you do in general? Yes, but
1: you can go to my um, to my company website or so
0: LinkedIn. Well, Alexa, thank you. Thank you for coming demystifying artificial intelligence and sharing your research and experience with us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if so, please head over to iTunes and give us your feedback and your review. And it's bye from me for now, and I'll see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation.